Shalom and welcome again to another edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. We welcome you uh, and encourage and solicit your comments and questions and concerns to Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. We are very, very uh, pleased to welcome to uh, this edition of Seekers of Meaning, Rabbi Stephen Fuchs, um, who is coming back. He was a guest on a, oh, a podcast of props about a year or so ago on some of his books. And we're going to talk about one of his other brand newer books, 75 and Me. Um, rabbi Fuchs is the rabbi of our congregation on Sanibel Island. And in case you perhaps otherwise engage someplace, you understand that Sanibel Island and um, the West Coast, Southwest Coast of Florida uh, has been reeling with the impact of the, the Hurricane Ian. Steve, first of all, welcome. Welcome to Seekers of Meaning. I hope you uh, are safe. I know you're not coming to us from Sanibel Island. We're recording this a couple of weeks prior in the middle of October um, and that you're safe and well. So first of all, thank you very, very much. Talk to me really before we get to the book. I'm sure people are very, very interested to find out um, what do you know from the synagogue? Uh, what have you heard? Where are you with with all, that whole Michigas, which is a good way to describe it? Richie, Michigas is a great word for what we're dealing with right now. You know, for 50 plus years, as you can imagine, as a rabbi preparing for the days of awe was all the stress, took all the energy, all of the focus that I could muster. Uh, this year added to that, of course, is the fact that we are homeless and synagogueless because of Hurricane Ian. And uh, my wife, Vicki, has been diagnosed with stage three lymphoma. So those three things together, that triple whammy really combined to put me in a situation where after we evacuated as quickly as we could and settled now in Tampa because Vicki is receiving treatment at the Moffitt Cancer Center. We are hanging in there as best I can. And there, there are two songs that keep running through my mind, if you will. One, the country classic by George Strait, uh, written by Terry Stafford, Amarillo by Morning, where he says, everything that I got is just what I got on. And that's kind of what I feel like, because we have very few clothes. We're very, you know, but we're you know, that's an easy problem to solve. The other song is a really a song written in 1940 by Carol Loveday and Nils Pern called The Shrine of St. Cecilia. My favorite version is the doo-wop version by Willie Winfield in the harp tones, which begins, our home is a shambles, all our treasure is gone, the town seems deserted, everyone so forlorn. But up on the hillside, there's a place there's a place, the Shrine of St. Cecilia. Now, the Shrine is only in our minds right now, but we all have a vision of we are going to rebuild Bat Yam. We are a strong, resilient congregation. This is tough. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it, but we're going to rebound. And I hope that we'll be able to continue to serve our community and our circle of friends, which because of Zoom now, you know, joins us from many places around the world. So uh, let's get to this uh, because I know you posted this on Facebook and um, I'm sure you've been inundated with, you know, what can I do? Is there, 
there may be some people who say, you know, I, I like to just give a donation. Where have you set that up yet? I know it's, um, and if so, where and how? Yes, we we have been working feverishly up until now, uh, up until this moment, I couldn't have answered that question. But now I can. We are accepting donations to all unbudgeted expenses connected with our return to viability at batyam.org slash donate dash on dash line. And also, if people want to send checks, they can send them to Batyam or Batyam Temple of the Islands, P.O. Box 84, Sanibel, Florida, 33957. And all of it will be uh, very much appreciated. The other thing I'm going to be willing to do at some point, once we get a better handle on Vicky's treatment and all of that, I'm going to offer myself to congregations as a Zoom speaker, free, totally free, with any donations that they are you know, want to send to this cause. Uh, I'm not going to make a dime from it. And if I ever get my books back, <laughs> which they're all lost in the flood, uh, and I get a supply, I will sell them, assume the expense, and donate all proceeds to Batyam Temple of the Islands. We, we will be back, and we're going to do everything we can. You know, what I'm saying may not sound like it's going to raise a lot of money, and who knows? But if each of us does whatever we can, and I know our congregation will be generous. Our friends will be generous. We'll be there. And once again, what's the P.O. Box address? So if somebody wanted to write a check and mail it, it's P.O. Box 84. P.O. Box 84, Sanibel, Sanibel. Florida, 33957. So um, I, what was it like to do holidays at, right after right after the, the the hurricane you had to relocate you did it i think you said from somebody's house or a basement in somebody's right. house right. what right. i mean <laughs> it, it was a minor miracle richie it really was uh, i hope you don't mind if i call you richie because i know you that way that's my, that's my, and we've known each other for a few years so go ahead exactly um at first we didn't know what we were going to do and we didn't know if we were going to do anything at all and graciously congregations in Fort Myers and in uh, Naples, uh, Rabbi Perman in Naples and Rabbi Nicole Luna in Fort Myers reached out almost immediately and said, you know, if you want to come and if you want your members to come, welcome, 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 which was great. And then uh, we were able to do something, I think, which was infinitely better. Our cantor, Murray Simon, who was retiring or retired essentially right after Yom Kippur as his 80th birthday approaches. And uh, what an example of Jewish sacred aging he is. I'm not far behind him, but he said, we can do a Zoom from our home in Lakewood Ranch. We have power. We've got Internet. And so we decided that that's what we we're going to do. And then. My recommendation, to which he agreed enthusiastically, was we're going to make this simple and stark. Him, me, and our normal accompanist was tied up with all kinds of other things, and Toby... 
Cantor's wife, a very capable accompanist, and she did that. And, you know, it was actually even better because there was something about that harmony between the two of them in his last set of services for our congregation, which was very beautiful. We decided we're not going to use any prayer book. Uh, He will give me a list, and he did, of what he considered the essential Yom Kippur melodies. And I would paste them together verbally, uh, explaining two things that are vital to me. A, what they mean, and B, why we are chanting it. And I honestly thought it went very well. And when it comes back to the combination of Toby and Murray playing and singing together, I I go back and again, this is another country music reference, even though I'm not that much of a country music fan. The late Jim Ed Brown, who's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, used to record with his two sisters, uh, a group called the Browns. You may remember the song, The Three Bells from 1959. And he said once after singing with many other artists and solo, there's nothing like that family harmony. And as Toby and Murray combined for Kol Nidre and Shema Kolenu and other beautiful melodies, it was like an extra dimension of beauty and spirituality. It was really a very, very special thing. Uh, I recall a passage in S.Y. Agnon's The Days of Awe, where uh, you know, with most of it deals with things in Eastern Europe, if you, you know, but there was one scene he described of an American farmer. And they were in a farmhouse, a few people gathered in a rural area, and the birds and the leaves rustling in the wind accompanied the Kol Nidre. And it was just an extra measure of beauty that made a lasting impression. And this Yom Kippur will be one I will remember as very, very special for those reasons so for the rest of my life. Do you have a sense of the, how many of your congregants were able to tune in? That's another thing. Thank you for asking. You know, I used to brag, I don't know if it was bragging, that I was the only rabbi I know who would see more people in front of him on a Friday night in February than for Kol Nidre due to the seasonal nature of the Sanibel Island. We had, from around the world, more than 100 people tuned in to our Yom Kippur service. Now, that doesn't sound like much to most congregational rabbis, but for us, for this time of year, that's an enormous crowd. And as I say, people joined us not only from all around the country, but but all around the world. Uh, Contacts that I had made during my tenure with the World Union for Progressive Judaism, contacts we made during the work Vicky and I did in Germany. It was a it was just a very, very special. And that a support really strengthened the congregation and gave wings to our Yom Kippur worship. You know, uh, the, you wrote in a, in a previous book um, that a mature person, the mark of a mature person, I think you wrote, is the development of a personal philosophy of life. It's a great line. Um, how has this experience enhanced, changed, um, re- reconstituted your own personal philosophy of life? Or is it too quick, would, too soon? 
I would say as a strong reinforcement. I don't know how many times over the years, you know, in the forward to 75 and me, my children spoke about a word they called, coined, called repetitions. Sick, that's the word, repetitions, uh, which means every time when they were younger, dad would use an illustration of any kind that he'd used before. They would jump on it and say, oh, that was a repetition, hopefully after the service, not during the middle. And so a repetition of this philosophy is that we Jews, no matter what we've been through, and as unpleasant as this has been, believe me, as you well know, we've been through much, much, much worse through our history. But we've never given up hope. Uh, the prophet Zechariah, I believe, is the one who coined the phrase, Asire Tikva, prisoners of hope. To me, that has meant, and as I've said to my congregation, probably more times than they want to recount, congregations, plural. No matter what, we've never abandoned hope that things would get better. And this experience really reinforced that to me. Things will get better. We will be okay. We will be back, I hope, and I believe, stronger than ever. And the same goes for my wife, Vicki. We're going to beat this thing, and she's going to be stronger than ever. So that's what it's done to my philosophy of life. It's taken what was already there what had begun to formulate ever since in confirmation class, I believe I said our rabbi, my confirmation class, when I was in the in those days, ninth grade in East Orange, New Jersey, the late Rabbi Avraham Soltis, whom I believe you're familiar with, said, one of the marks of a mature person is a philosophy of life. And at that time, I remember, I, what's a philosophy of life? Right. I had no clue. So that is the philosophy that developed. Um, Sometimes I find myself at odds trying to grasp onto it, but this experience has really made me embrace it with even greater, greater resolve. Uh, it's fascinating. You know, uh, people react to traumas in so many different ways. And, and you, as you said before, you're getting hit with like a double or triple whammy. Um, <clears throat> The the idea of, of maintaining hope, I think it's it, first of all, it's I, I, it's inspirational to so many people, and I think also to the members of your congregation, um, who look to you as their rabbi, as their spiritual leader, to understand in the midst of this we still have hope. Um, how 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 did that influence, or did it influence all at, at all the the book that uh, you we wanted to talk about seventy five and me? I mean, it's a reflection. It. It sounds, it's kind of like a life review in many ways. Um, talk to me about what was the motivation for you, for you to, to put these stories and reflections down on a piece of paper? Well, I've always been conscious of age. I remember when I was 30, on my 30th birthday, I began to write a sermon, which I gave called from the top of the hill looking down thoughts on reaching 30 i remember that because on my birthday <clears throat> it happened to be the occasion of a testimonial dinner which the baltimore board of rabbis were holding in honor of rabbi abraham shaw who served congregation oheb shalom in baltimore for 40 years with great right. distinction 
And after a margarita or so at Teo Pepe's restaurant in Baltimore, I kind of imagined that the rabbis weren't gathered to fate Rabbi Shaw, but to celebrate my 30th birthday. And I began to think, well, what kind of rabbi do I want to be when I am that age? And I guess in the intervening years, while I marked milestone birthdays with sermons, age was just a number until I hit 75. And at that birthday, it was so clear to me that barring something very unforeseen, unforeseen and unprecedented, I was quite a bit closer to the end of my earthly journey than to the beginning. And I really wanted to articulate in concrete terms, what does that mean? What does it mean? And of course, one of the truths I discovered was that which we read in the Megillah for Sukkot, which we are in the midst of as we make this broadcast. Uh, Kohelet made it so clear Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all of the material possession, all of the striving for recognition and and honor, which, you know, I guess I've been as guilty of as most people, uh, mean nothing, really nothing. And in the midst now of this situation, all of the material possessions that we've lost, some of, of which, of course, are valuable financially and some of which are priceless emotionally. Even those, we can get on without them. What is important in my case is that, you know, Vicki and I have one another and we have the resolve and the hope that we'll go forward together. And so 75 and me, which, while it was written before this current crisis, really was a reflection of those values, a realization that it's not the material things, it's not the bank account. It's not the recognition. It's the realization that I have a family that I love and that loves me, and I'm very blessed by by those things. And I need to count each day as, as precious. Uh, I developed a short ritual for each day. I guess it kind of developed out of an experience, which I'm sure you've had too, when you walk down the street in any city where there's a significant Jewish population, you're likely to be accosted by a Chabad representative who's going to ask you if you put on tefillin today. And while it is not my custom to put on tefillin, I now respond, I prayed this morning. I prayed this morning. And my prayer consisted of several very simple mantras. First and foremost, the prayer Jews are to say when we wake up, I have to be grateful each day that God gave me my soul back, and I've got another day to hopefully do something that can make some small difference in people's lives. I've said several times in Germany, you know, we come to Germany and we speak in high schools. I speak in churches. I teach a seminar at the Geiger College. I speak in synagogues. And I realize that by doing this, I'm not curing cancer. I'm not making peace between Israel and the Palestinians, all things I would love to be able to do. But I'm doing what I can. And I'm using the modest abilities God has given me 
to make that small difference. And I take satisfaction in that. And now each day I got another chance to do that. Then, of course, I say the Shema. Next, I indulge in three prayers from the book of Psalms that are in our prayer book that I think really, really promote the most important lessons that the 150 chapters of Psalms teach me. From Psalm 51, Adonai svatai tiftach ufi ragi tefilatecha. Oh God, open my lips. Let my mouth declare your glory. Let me use this power of speech with which I've been blessed. You know, I tell my congregations often, you know, one of the reasons I became a rabbi is I wasn't good at math or science, but I was okay with words. And now, and I can be glib and I can respond quickly and sometimes sarcastically and sometimes in ways that are not so nice. And I want to put a guardian on that. And so I say, God, help me to use this power for blessing, to declare your glory. And then I follow with the paraphrase from Psalm 34. It's also in our prayer book. <clears throat> Excuse me. Elohai, netzor lishoni mirma. Oh God, help me from speaking evil and let my lips not offer guile. Let me use this power well. Sometimes I have quick temper. And so I ask, in the words of Psalm 39, forsake evil and let not anger. Azov mehema. Don't let anger control you. Don't respond in anger. And then from Psalm 61, God, help me reach a little higher. Be a little better. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I am now as a person, not in terms of the world's recognition, but in terms of what you, oh God, would hope for me. And I conclude very simply with the famous line from Psalm 19, let it be your will, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, not just my words, but what's coming, what's generating those words, be acceptable to you, O God, my strength and my redeemer. And this can take me, honestly, Richie, as little as a minute right. or as much as a half an hour to get through all this if I'm really thinking about it. If it's only a minute, it's a minute of pure kavana, of pure intentionality. And uh, I don't recommend necessarily that people use my set of mantras, but that they develop some of their own to give direction to the course of our lives and to focus, as the old Shabbat manual said in one of my, or says in one of my favorite prayers, Help me, O oh God, to distinguish between that which is real and enduring and that which is fleeting in vain. And if anything, working on 75 and me, and now much more recently, this crisis has really helped reinforce that for me. And so I cling to those thoughts and those hopes. No, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. We, <clears throat> in some of the 
recent classes we've been teaching, um, this whole idea of developing a personal spiritual practice has come up a lot. And uh, just the fact that you articulated what is very a very simple spiritual practice um, of a couple of prayers that speak to your heart and soul that don't take a, you know, you don't have to be have a PhD in rabbinics to develop a spiritual practice. You just have to have the nishama, the willingness to say, let me think about this. And in the morning when I wake up, let me just review it and focus and center. Because you're right. I mean, we're both at a, of a certain age and the majority of people who tune into Jewish sacred aging work are of a, of a majority of a certain age, uh, where we're really beginning to think about this. And the traumas of life, just what you're going through now with Batyam, are more are more heightened because they do, like the sukkah, reinforce this idea of fragility. So I, I, I thank you for sharing that, Steve, and also for embracing it in this context of hope that even in the midst, and in the midst of trauma, both personal and congregational, communal, um, you as a rabbi find hope there that tomorrow is going to be, to be better. Um, before, cause we're going to run out of time. 75 in me, uh, subtitle glimpses of a uh, half a century through rabbinic eyes, uh, on Amazon available on the, you know, through the electronic stuff. And, um, it's also available through the publisher. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Mezo publishers. And Mezo the, publishers. M-A-Z-O. M-A-Z-O. Yeah. And the address for sending a donation for Bat Yam in Sanibel Island. P.O. Box 84, P.O. Post Office Box 84, Sanibel, Florida, S-A-N-I-B-E-L. And the zip is 33957. And uh, so that's for anybody who's watching or listening and says, you know, this is a, God forbid, this is what happened to my shul. Uh, let me do something. And hopefully, look, uh, uh, next Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, you'll um, have everybody come to Sanibel Island. You won't have enough room for everybody. Um, hopefully. You know, and that would be great. Um, Rabbi Stephen Fuchs, thank you very, very much, Steve, for sharing really your neshama with us uh, today on this podcast. I wish you just good luck, good fortune, health, you and Vicky, Rufash Lema. Stay strong and um, hopefully, you know, pretty soon things will, you'll be back home. Uh, and I wish you well. Stay safe and please uh, just stay healthy. That's the most important thing. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. My great pleasure. To all of you, again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Uh, if you'd like to make a donation to help us continue this work and these podcasts, uh, please go to jewishsacredaging.com and just click on the conveniently located uh, donate button. Uh, Seekers of Meaning is recorded at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a shout out to our technological genius and guru, Steve Lubetkin, our producer. Uh, thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and we look forward to greeting you on the next edition of Seekers of Meaning. In the meantime, stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And be kind, be kind to one another. Shalom, the hitter out.